When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome aboard, Giants fans to episode 77 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. They were at MetLife Stadium on Sunday to watch the Giants win again. 17-6 over the Detroit Lions, now 10-4 on the season. The Giants on the doorstep of clinching a playoff spot. The first time they've won double-digit games since 2010. A big day for the Giants. A lot of playoff scenarios to talk about and a looming uh, two-game road trip here to finish this thing and try to get in the playoffs. James, we'll start with you. Uh, Once again, the story is kind of similar, right? I mean, the defense carries the day. The Giants win. It's... There are still questions about what they are and where they're going. But, again, they win, and the defense does it in a big fashion. No, I mean, second straight week they've held a division-leading team in the NFC to under two scores. So I think that's a a major accomplishment for the defense. And I think the offense made progress. They're not all the way there yet, and I still – have my doubts that you know someday this is all going to explode. They're going to score 35 points and start rolling people. But I thought they were better than they were against the Cowboys. I, I thought there was some progression made, which is a good thing. Eli Manning was a hell of a lot better, which is exactly what the Giants need. But look, they're 10-4. and four. They're all but in the playoffs now. they, they got to wrap up the fine details, and I'm sure we'll talk about all the scenarios later. But it's a major accomplishment for this team. After three straight losing seasons, four years about the playoffs, new head coach, complete off-season renovation, revamped everything, and it looks like it's going to pay off and they're going to be back in the playoffs for the first time since 2011, which is kind of a long time ago when you think about it. It is. It's a long time in the NFL, certainly a long time for the Giants because they had a lot of success early in Eli Manning's career, not so much as of late, but 10-4 and four now. And Dan, for Sunday, as we do this podcast on a Monday on a short week, the one thing that was different this time, as there's a lot of similarities with all these wins, but the defense carried the day, but this time... Not only no JPP, but early in that game, Janoris Jenkins takes the knee to the back, and we don't see him again the rest of the game. And they, I mean, they're doing it without star players here, and it's, the results are the same. I mean, single-digit points for the Lions. I mean, that that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's really remarkable, especially when you go back to – there was some, some questions kind of creeped in after that Steelers loss because it was – you know, you go back, that six-game winning streak, kind of the one asterisk was there wasn't a lot of, you know, quality opponents. Then they played a good team, and you said, oh, maybe, you know, they're not as good as we thought. They lose JPP, and, and some serious doubts start to creep in, and they've really slammed the door shut on any of those. Uh, like you said, doing it without JPP is one thing. Uh, obviously, Aquara wasn't you know quite the force yesterday as he was the first game, but uh, the run defense certainly didn't uh, you know miss a step. Kerry Wynn stepped in there uh, and and did well, but Jenkins is, is probably a bigger loss because you know that's that's a guy who you know basically takes the opposing 
uh, number one receiver out of the game and losing him early in the second quarter and, again, didn't skip a beat. I mean, it's really uh, just impressive how this team has is, is got some depth that I don't think we even realized they had. Um, you know, guys like Cody Sensiball who weren't even on the roster at the start of the season, you know, he has to step in. Or, or Trevin Wade, guys who were, you know, kind of buried on the depth chart. And obviously DRC uh, stepped up into the, kind of that number one corner role and, and had the big pick late. So uh, it's really a testament to sort of the, you know, kind of the character of the team, this next man up. You know, every team says it, but they've actually, you know, uh, played it out. And again, I keep going back to Spags. I mean, for a guy who's had some really rough years, uh, last few years as a defensive coordinator, uh, you know, what a, what a job he's done. Um, obviously, he's got talent, but like we said, they're missing some of the biggest pieces and still rolling along. And these are against good teams and good offenses and, and holding them back to back to single digits is just really impressive. It is. And you look up now, only two teams in the NFL, the Patriots and the Seahawks, have allowed less points. I mean, James, when this season started and we talked about the defense and, and how could they can improve and how good they could be based on the additions they made and compared to last year, I remember us throwing things out like middle of the pack and maybe even, you know, the fringe of the top 10 if, you know, everything went right. But, uh, I mean, there's two weeks to go in this season and they are third in the NFL in points allowed. That is something I never could have imagined would happen. No, I mean, you look at some of the, the off the, the yardage stats, they're kind of low, but I think that was more a product of what happened earlier in the year. They've really gelled, and I don't know if what their ranking will be after week 15, but I think they're definitely a top five defense in the league. I think the argument can be made they're playing the best of, of any defense in the league. And, you know, I've had the same thought you had coming in this year, that if they were kind of like middle of the pack, that would be a great improvement from last year. And that would give them a chance to be really successful because the offense, we all assume, would be a top 10 unit again. But things change. And I think this is a team that truly can go in the playoffs thinking we can win with defense and we can go a long way with defense. It's it's kind of amazing. Have, you know, I know Dan was on the beat last year, but that defense last year was so bad. And they had so many players out there a lot of times. It just I mean, they're not in the NFL anymore for a reason. But they roll 11 quality starters and more behind them. I mean, Dan's right. The depth of this team has been really shown over the last two weeks. And it's been kind of astounding. I mean, I, I think a couple of weeks ago, if you had told us that they're going to lose JPP for the rest of the year and they were going to lose, you know, Janoris Jenkins' status would be kind of unsure, we would have thought, okay, well, that's probably going to tank their chances. But it hasn't. It's somehow made them a, a better defense, it seems. It has, and every week they seem to do something that makes it more impressive than the week before. They're losing a guy and still performing. The Giants' defense has been a theme of this year, and of course always a theme of this podcast. Whether it's good, bad, or somewhere in the middle, Dan is Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, the numbers weren't eye-popping on Sunday, but again, he does something that gets everyone talking, the left-handed catch to help seal the game. I mean, every week he does something that either we've never seen before or it's like we can't not talk about this guy, and, and you've had a front row seat to watch him. It's just an amazing – he's just an amazing athlete. Right, and one of these days, one of these amazing punt returns is going to actually count. <laughs> I mean, that, that play was really probably the, you know, the best play of the game. Obviously, it you know, doesn't show up in the box score, but, I mean, just what a play. I mean, he's just so ridiculous with the ball in his hands. And this is, again, from a guy who said he shouldn't be the punt returner and still kind of – feel that way. I mean, I know it's harder to say that now because every time he touches it, he's pretty much a, a threat to go to the house. I, I like how they're doing it uh, more situationally. Um, but so yeah, that, that that alone kind of spoke to his talent. But the one that counts is that one-handed catch. And, you know, we've all seen him make a million one-handed catches, whether it's in warm-ups, practices, or in games. He's obviously done it. But 
Uh, that was kind of a, a different spin on it because that was, a, that was a, a low, hard fastball he had to snag there. And it just shows, you know, kind of all the, the practice and dedication, uh, you know, pays off. I mean, there was an anecdote that he brushes his teeth with his left hand. He's been doing that forever because he's just trying to build up, I mean, his, his left hand to be as good as right. I mean, if you have any question about the guy's dedication, I mean, that says a lot. Uh, he's clearly uh, just consumed with being great. I mean, he says it all the time. And uh, you know, kind of comes across a little cocky, but when you're as good as he is, I mean, you, you can certainly get away with saying those types of things. Um, yeah, it just comes through whenever they need to play. It's like I, I said yesterday, the formula is pretty much, you know, a bunch of defense and a dash of Odell, and, you know, that's been enough, will continue to be enough. I don't know, but uh, it's it's certainly a formula that's working right now because not only does he make the touchdown, but uh, has the big third down catch on that drive, uh, where it's a great pass by Eli. I'm not going to give all the credit to Odell on that, but, uh, you know, it's just – it, like I said, it's a formula that's working, and, and when you have the best player in the NFL, or you know, arguably the best offensive player in the NFL, uh, that, that can take you a long way, as we're finding out. It certainly can. They have a formula right now, and it's, it's funny you mention that, because last night, right at the end of the Sunday night game, uh, Collinsworth and Michaels, who I guess will be in, in Philadelphia Thursday for the Giants-Eagles game, or at least you know, NBC will be there, but they were talking about the Giants at previewing the game, and James, they said right now the Giants... They have the two things you look for, and they're and it's in one spot. You know, a team that's hot going in down the stretch, and a team that's playing really good defense. The Giants are that team right now that has both of those things. The the hiccup right now, and I think the conversation among Giants fans this week heading into the game Thursday is they have to finish it, and there still are two more games. It's, it's almost like people want the playoffs to just start today. Uh, that can't happen yet, and I think the playoff scenarios, James. I know you've been locked in a bunker somewhere trying to come up with every single one we could come up with. It's as simple as one more win and they're in, but then there's a whole bunch of other things that could happen, right? I mean, actually, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure if they tie the Eagles on Thursday night, that will also clinch a playoff berth. So as long as they, basically, if they leave Philly with a non-losing result, they should be in. But I, there is a chance, and it's not a great chance, and even if this happened, if the Giants lose out, which, look, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the Giants are rolling, but at Philly on a short week, at Washington, who also might be playing for the playoffs, it's not an easy final two games end the season. We've been saying this since they announced the schedule. The Giants could very realistically go 0-2 in the last two weeks of the season. And if they did that, and I believe the Lions and the Packers finished tied at 10-6, and and the Buccaneers went out and finished 10-6, and and the Redskins maybe went out and go 10-5-1, and one, the Giants could find themselves on the outside looking in because when you get into a three-way tiebreaker, they throw out the head-to-head and they do the tiebreaker based on a triangle. And in that situation, Detroit, even though they lost to the Giants directly, in this scenario, the Packers would have won the NFC North. Even though Detroit lost to the Giants head-to-head, if it's a three-way tie, they go to a different set of tiebreaker rules. That would allow Detroit to win the triangle, and then Tampa would win the tiebreaker over the Giants on, on conference record because I believe they're the, somehow match. Actually, it might not be conference record at this point. Uh, no, excuse me, it would. So you can see there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, so basically just win on Thursday night, right? <laughs> win or tie, or tie on Thursday night, and they're going to the playoffs. So the Giants could make this very, very, very easy on everyone if they just win on Thursday night. But if you don't win on Thursday night, I think things are going to start to tighten a little bit and people are going to get nervous. So the Giants should just take care of business, beat an Eagles team that they should beat on Thursday night and get out of the way. 
Right, and that that would end everything. And I believe at that point they would clinch. The, would they clinch the number five spot too? Like that, their standing would just be set before. Like it's it's interesting because right now, based on whatever happens against the Eagles, that week seventeen week for you guys and for the team and for the actual kickoff against Washington, it could become it could go from you know everything on the line to relatively meaningless. Am I reading that right, James? Yeah. I mean, I'm the league hasn't sent like an official, you know, rubber stamp of this is the case. But if the Giants beat the Eagles on Thursday night, I mean, I don't see how any other team in the NFL could get to 11, 11 wins. I mean, the 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 Redskins could get to ten five and one, but that I mean, the Giants would still have the edge there because you know they'd have a better winning percentage because they have eleven wins and the Redskins would have ten. So yeah, I mean, basically the fifth seed's wrapped up. I know some Giants fans are still holding out hope that they're going to somehow win the NFC East. It's a 2% chance. As I wrote on NJ.com on Monday morning, you have a 2.7% chance of sometimes be, someday being on the prices right in your life, according to some website I found at 12.30 in the morning. So it's not a great chance to win the NFC East. I know Giants fans, they want to dream about it because that would mean number one seed in the NFC and all that, home field advantage, blah, blah, blah. But this Giants team, is if they're going to the playoffs and – they most pretty much are. They're going as a wild card, and it looks like it's going to be the five seed. So then it comes who they're going to play. I'd say the vast – it looks like it's probably going to be the NFC North winner. Um, I know Dan's thrilled about that potential trip to Green Bay in a couple weeks. Oh, but boy. I guess it's an outside shot. It could be the South winner. So it's, I think the Giants, the way things look right now, they're going to be in. They're going to be the five seed. They're probably going to Detroit or Green Bay. So the Giants, my guess is that if it's Detroit Green Bay and Sunday Night Football in Week 17, the Giants are going to have to wait until basically midnight to find out who they're going to play in the playoffs that week. Yeah, and you guys have to wait, wait till midnight to find out where <laughs> you're going um, that week. When we look at the game Thursday, not so much the matchup. The Eagles have fallen apart since um, really the middle of the season. They have played hard the last two weeks, though, and almost knocked off the Redskins. We're a play away from knocking off the Ravens. Dan, for you, when you look at the spot, you know, a Thursday night game on the road, division matchup, do you think the Gi- there should be some concern for Giants fans that they actually lose this game and, and things get interesting? Or do you think, considering how well they're playing and the Eagles' lack of talent across the offense, that this is going to be the night the Giants have been waiting for for years, a, a moment where they get to go back to the playoffs? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, I kind of lost track of the Eagles a little bit since it's been a while since the Giants played them. I didn't realize they've lost, you know, five straight and, and nine of 11. Remember that 3-0 and start? That was uh, a long time ago. Um, yeah, I think there should be some concern. I mean, again, the, the Giants are, are playing great defensively and, and doing enough to win. But, I mean, it's not like they're just going out and blowing teams away. And like you said, the Eagles, you know, are playing tough. They played the Giants down to the wire. You know what I mean? Carson Wentz. Uh, you just throw it a little more on the mark. We might be talking about a loss, uh, you know, that game uh, in, in November at MetLife. So, listen, I think I've said it kind of all along these types of games. If you're a playoff team, you win them. And the Giants have pretty much won them. You know, they certainly look like a playoff team. This is just one more of those. I mean, this is a team that, sure, they're a rival. Sure, they're going to, you know, come out and play hard. But you, you beat a 5-9 and team to get in the playoffs if you're, you know, your playoff team. You don't worry about, uh, you know, James doing all his math on the mirror in his, you know, his bathroom. I mean, you just win this game and you're in. It's, it's pretty simple. I know it's tough because it's a short week, but it's a short trip. It's only down in Philly. Um, you know, Philly's in the same boat. You played a 1 o'clock game on Sunday, so pretty much maximum recovery you could really have for a Thursday game. So, uh, yeah, it won't be easy. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, 
again, if you're if you're as good as the Giants look, you find a way to win this game. Probably won't be pretty, but you know, very rarely you know are the Giants games pretty. Uh, but I, I think they'll find a way. As we, you know, before we get into what could happen and, and, and all the doomsday stuff for the next couple of weeks or, you know, exciting stuff, I, I think this might be a good time, James, for a minute here because this will go away quickly. This is probably our only chance to do it. Um, to talk about what the Giants have accomplished right now. I mean, if they somehow miss the playoffs, no one will care about this. And if they do get in, it's going to soon be about how much they can accomplish. But this is the first time they've won double digits since 2010. And like you were saying, they're on the precipice of securing a playoff spot for the first time since 2011. I mean, in this moment right now, it, we, the, we could say it. The Giants have had a very good season, though the next two weeks will change the conversation about that. But, but for right now, as we sit here and do this episode today, James, just thoughts on, on how much the Giants have accomplished to date. I think it's been a, a tremendous season. I don't, I don't think you really can ask for much more. You know, I, I think that you made you made it. I mean, people forget like the Giants only basically, like, you know, less than a year ago, they made a monumental shift. I mean, they basically told Tom Coughlin, who'd been there for 12 years and won two Super Bowls, Tom, it's time. We we need a new coach. And, you know, they, they kind of they had a kind of a, a me. I don't want to call it a meandering job search, but, you know, there wasn't any big, you know, name or, you know, sexy, you know, interview they did. And they hired McAdoo. And, and I think that even as, as recently as, you know, week week five, I think people were kind of looking at Ben and saying, is this guy in, in completely over his head as a head coach? And since they lost to the Packers, I think it was the Packers that, to go to two and three, I mean, this thing has been kind of just rolling now. I mean, they had the hiccup in, in Pittsburgh, but I think now if you look back on it, that was just kind of bound to happen. And I do think that kind of plays into the final two weeks. I'm sure we'll discuss in a second. But, no, look, I think the Giants, they were a franchise that was basically irrelevant. And now they're very relevant. They did it in a way that rarely works in the NFL, spending all this money in free agency. They put together a strong draft, which has been an issue for them in recent years. I think that you still look at this roster. I think there's still issues and, and there's still weak points. But they have put themselves in a position where they're relevant again. They're in a playoff hunt again. And I think more importantly – is you project forward, there's a future. You know, when I got on the beat at the start of the 2015 season, I mean, there really was no hope. It was just kind of like, this is the team they have, and they're not very good, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They came in with all that bravado and, and you know, optimism in training camp, and you kind of thought, okay, you know, maybe this is like an 8 or 8, 9 or 7 team. But no, they've, they've lived up to it. They're 10-4. and four. They have a chance to be 12-4 and four if they win these two games. I, I think 11-5 and five would be a great point for them. I don't think anybody thought they'd win 11 games at the start of the year. I think McAdoo's first year has, has been a success. Um, you're right, Joe, that they've got to finish it or else things are going to kind of be looked at in a more negative light. But they've accomplished a lot. They, they put the Giants kind of back on the map. And you know what? That wasn't an easy task to do. It Joe, wasn't. I'll, Joe, I'll throw this in there. It didn't even really occur to me because sometimes you get, you're on the beat, you get caught in the weeds of the season, you, you pick apart every game and this and that, you don't look at the big picture. Someone said to me on Twitter last night, you know, is McAdoo a coach of the year candidate? I think he's the favorite right now. Like, I, I mean, I know that if you did it the midseason, there was other coaches that were kind of hotter names. But I don't know. Tell me who's got a, a stronger case than this guy as a, as a first-year head coach, first-time head coach, taking over a team that had gone 6-10 and 10 the previous two seasons. He's got him at 10 wins now. Obviously, he could get to 12, possibly. It's, it's really remarkable what he's done. I mean, he's... And it hasn't been easy, as, as he said, he gets three dumpster fires a day. Not that that separates him 
from most coaches, but I think most people would say it's been kind of a, a, a topsy-turvy year with off the field and even some on the field stuff and uh, doing it in this market. Uh, he's certainly not perfect, but I mean, 10 and four with, again, a team that was six and 10, six and 10, uh, you know, coming in after, you know, basically replacing a legend. Uh, I, I'm just trying to think of, I mean, obviously there's, there's other candidates. You could give it to Bill Belichick probably every year and, and there's Jack Del Rio uh, has had a great year. Obviously Garrett is going to get a lot of votes in Dallas, but uh, I, I think McAdoo certainly deserves his due because, I mean, who could have expected uh, a team with a first-year coach to win so many close games? Uh, he kind of had all the, the drama with Odell in the year where maybe McAdoo didn't handle everything perfectly, uh, but he certainly come through on the other end, and, and he's getting the best of Odell right now, and, and kind of all the, the nonsense has kind of been toned down. So I really think when you, you know, and again, this is a guy who he's the offensive coordinator and the offense has been a problem. But if you're looking at head coach of the year, you know, that, that's I think the key disclaimer you have to throw in. Uh, you can't you can't just beat him up on the offense and not give him credit for how well the overall team is playing. So uh, I don't know what you guys think about that, but it just it really hadn't occurred to me. So someone pointed out on Twitter and I, I stepped back and said, geez, look at these other candidates. I mean, he's, he's got to be right there as one of the you know one or two top favorites. It is interesting, and I think part of it, the, the problem or part of the reason maybe we haven't talked about it as much is because of what you said at the end there, Dan. It's, un, it's not fair, but I think that's the perception. Like, well, he's the offensive guy, and the offense stinks. And it's like, well, I don't give him any credit. But, no, he's, he's the head coach. He's in charge of this thing, and they are 10-4. and four. I mean, if Bel- before you go on, James, if Belichick gets them to 14-2 and two without Gronk and Brady missing the first four games, you know, maybe we'll settle this thing in the Super Bowl again between, <laughs> uh, between the Giants and Patriots. Go ahead, James. I was going to say, like, I think that commenter, the Twitter follow that got there, I mean, he's right. I think Ben's definitely at the top of the list. The one guy I would kind of throw, and I think that he might have a slightly better argument than Ben, is Adam Gase in Miami, just because, you know, they were so bad last year. And, you know, I, I think it's not taking anything away from Ben, but Ben inherited a relatively good situation, I think, in terms of, you know, Eli Manning, and he's got Odell, and, you know, he's got a a proud storied franchise, you know, I mean, Gase kind of had to go into Miami and, you know, completely fix the quarterback. He, and he kind of had, you know, kind of a toxic environment there. And he started one in four and now he's nine and five and in position to clinch a playoff berth in the AFC. So I think, you know, those Belichick, Del Rio, uh, and McAdoo, but I, I mean, personally, I just think that at this point, assuming they make the playoffs, my guess is that Gase is, a smidge bet stronger candidate than Ben for head for coach of the year. But, but Dan's right. I mean, I, I think Ben definitely has to be one of the top two or three candidates for the job, given what he's done. And I guess one disclaimer we probably have to throw in is, you know, he did blatantly violate NFL rules. So I guess we have to kind of this see how true. walkie walkie talkie gate uh, plays out before, you know, before we give him, uh, you know, an NFL award, because that that's a little bit of a blemish. Uh, seems like it's going to be swept under the rug a little bit with a slap on the wrist. Uh, but that's something that has to be taken into consideration, especially because you mentioned a guy like Belichick. That's the thing that's held against him all the time. So it would only be fair, fair to to weigh that in uh, in McAdoo's candidacy. You know what? It, when you bring up the walkie-talkie gate from last week, which was just incredible, because we always have a gate here. The one thing that you have to, I think, include in McAdoo's candidacy, and some of this, I'm not absolving him of blame, but that they've had a lot of off-the-field stuff this year like that. Um, unfortunately, the Josh Brown situation, which we've all said the Giants handled poorly, but he had to be the front man for that for a lot of it and talk because Jerry Reese um, did not address it and did not you know, take the heat off of him. So, I mean, he's had a lot of off-the-field stuff, too. The questions about his quarterback and possible decline, 
um, replacing Tom Coughlin. I think if we if you kind of add the gravity of of the job, I think it boosts him up a little. But I don't know if the voters will think about it like that or just look at it as you know this team was that and they became that. And but I, I think for the three of us, especially you guys there every day, yeah. I mean that's you you probably have to give him a couple extra check marks for that, don't you think, James? No, I, I definitely. Th- I mean, look. Ben has done, I think, a very good job. I, I think, you know, obviously the offense could be better and some of these things, you know, he probably could have handled better. I mean, the, the Josh Brown thing is really tough because, I mean, Ben kind of inherited that dumpster fire. And I tend to look at this thing, knowing what we know now, that this was probably more on the owner and the general manager than the head coach. I thought he handled the Odell stuff pretty well. I mean, I mean, I think you should give him a check mark for the way he handled, you know, his uh, his infamous showdown with Mike Francesa on the radio. I think that should play into effect. I mean, I, I think Ben's done a very good job. Coach of the year, as I said, you know, I, you know, I, I still think, you know, a guy like Gase might have a little bit better argument, but I think all things considered, I think the Giants should feel pretty confident right now that they made the right hire. You know, I mean, Mac, McAdoo wasn't a hire that was, you know, universally, you know, praised. So he's done a really good job and there's been a lot of off fields. I mean, get back to the walkie talkies. I mean, like, have you? I can't really recall a more. I don't want to say it's not tumultuous isn't the right word, but eventful year for the Giants. I mean, they've had a lot of crazy stuff happen this year. You've had obviously the Brown stuff, the um, Dell stuff, Walkie Talkie Gate, the Flake Gate too. I mean, me- remember back in the the spring when they announced the schedule and the whole controversy about like Redskins not being on the graphic. You know, Jonathan right. Casillas was supposedly going to be a cage fighter for a couple of minutes. I mean, it's. Just, it's been a really interesting year for the Giants that could be capped with a playoff berth, which I think is something that, given where they started the year, basically six and ten, and you know, forcing Tom out, pushing him out the door, uh, it'd be kind of a, a remarkable end of year events. Yeah, the last time I think it was this eventful was when Plexico Berry shot himself, which I, well, ironically was the last time they won twelve games. Something they still could do this year, which is just kind of a weird twist. All right, let's look forward to this. Final two-game stretch uh, starting Thursday night. You guys will be there at the link, uh, Eagles and the Giants. Uh, Dan, you mentioned a few minutes ago the Eagles played the Giants hard in uh, MetLife at the end of October. It's been a, they're a different team now. Uh, their weapons are awful on offense. You would think the Giants could do well. But this is all, it's always a weird and tricky spot to me because they are playing hard. A couple weeks ago there were questions in Philadelphia if they were going to quit and lay down. They haven't the last two weeks. I mean, they were literally a play away from beating the Redskins and Ravens. So – I expect, I mean, I think the Giants are better, clearly, but I expect the Eagles to come to play and try to knock them off and try to ruin their season. It's always an interesting matchup when it's the, these division games at the end of the year, which I think is what the NFL probably had in mind when they changed these schedules to make this happen. Yeah, I was wondering when that change made. I was thinking about that because it's a great change because, I mean, I can remember, you know, back in the day where you could have the Giants playing like the Jaguars in a, in a meaningful Week 16 game, which, which just doesn't seem right. So I think it's great that they have set it up that these last two weeks are – are all division games. But yeah, like I said, I, I just think it's going to be a tough game because, you know, the Giants don't blow teams out. And like I said, the, if the Eagles had packed it in, which I don't think really happens that much in the NFL, I mean, you know, maybe it's happening in San Francisco and Cleveland. But I mean, these guys in the Eagles, they're, you know, they're playing for contract, if nothing else. You know, they want to have stats. There's pride. Um, and, and you just don't want to lose. I mean, listen, you still have to go to work every day. So they don't want to come out and just, you know, lay an egg on national TV against your, you know, hated rival. So I, I don't think we have to worry about the Eagles not, you know, bringing their, you know, their full motivation into this game. Uh, and I think the same problems that have kind of, you know, kept the Giants from blowing teams out will, will factor on Thursday. I don't think they're going to be able to put up a ton of points against the Eagles. On the flip side, I think the Eagles offense, like you said, is kind of a mess. I mean, Carson Wentz is a rookie quarterback, and, 
And this is what typically happens for rookie quarterbacks. They, they hit a wall and, and they struggle. And I, I would expect uh, Spags to have even a better plan now that he's going against them for a second time. So, uh, again, I think the Giants you know, should win this game. I think they will win this game, uh, but I don't think it'll be easy. James, your thoughts as we go into a, a Giants-Eagles game. These are always uh, unpredictable and tricky for the team that's supposed to win, I, I feel. I I think the link is one of the more entertaining places to go watch a football game. I think, from at least from the places I've been, I guess Buffalo is similar. Philly kind of has like a college college game day feel sort to it. Uh, I think the Eagles, they're going to be up for this game. I, they're playing hard. And the bottom line is that no, I don't care about the record of the Eagles. If the Giants go into Philly in prime time on a short week and beat the Eagles, that's a major accomplishment. And if you look at this, I, I understand, you know, obviously they, they beat the Cowboys on the road in week one, but that went aside, they really haven't stepped up to the plate when they've been kind of given this, you know, primetime, high-stakes road game. You know, I mean, they, they lost in Minnesota, they lost in Green Bay, they really kind of got hammered by the Steelers. So I know the Eagles' record isn't great. I know they're not going to the playoffs, but this is still an opportunity for them to make a major statement, I think, as they head toward the playoffs. Look, they're going to have to win on the road in the playoffs. I mean, 2% not they're not – that lottery ticket's not going to pay out. They're not winning the NFCs. They're going to be a wild-card team. If they want to progress in the tournament, they're going to have to do it on the road. And I think this is a great place to start against a, pr- a proud Eagles team that's not going to lay down hostile environment, prime time, a lot of energy, color rush. People are going to be all jazzed up about that. This is, a, I think, a big step for the Giants to kind of get a notch under their belt that they haven't had in a while. I mean, and to sweep the Eagles, I think, would be a big accomplishment considering the Eagles have been their tormentors the, the recent years. That isn't, that's a good point there. That would be a, like a fitting bow to end the, uh, end, end, to clinch the playoff spot, to finally knock off the Eagles twice, not only once, but twice. Uh, and that would put them in. Guys, it'll be a fun one Thursday night. The Eagles and the Giants will be back next week uh, after the holiday. Everyone out there, all our listeners, have a great holiday with your family. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll be back next week to talk about whatever Week 17 means, whether it is do they rest, whether it is they're in, must win, what happened with the Eagles, all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about it next week before the Giants and the Redskins. James, thanks for doing this, uh, and Merry Christmas. No problem, Joe, as always. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to Everyone, we'll see you, uh, I guess, after the, the holiday. But, you know, follow our stuff on NJ.com. Big Giants-Eagles week, always a big week on NJ.com. But everyone have a great time. And uh, hopefully, maybe when we talk to you uh, after this holiday weekend, uh, the Giants will be in the playoffs. We'll see. They certainly could be. We'll be favored to be. Dan, as always, thanks for doing this. And uh, Merry Christmas. We'll talk next week. Yeah, thanks. Same to you, Joe. I think uh, we all know what Giants fans want for Christmas. So we'll see if they can uh, deliver this week. We will see. It'll be a fun one. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, Again, happy holidays. Thank you for listening. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find ours, download it. Make sure to leave a rating. It helps the show grow as we move forward to maybe even more podcasts during the postseason right here on NJ.com.